It's me, your favorite pal and the greatest trans woman, TM, Peyton Brock. And it's me, your uh, worst nightmare come to life, Austin Bennett. That's true. That's how I became friends with him. A devil, yeah. a devil cursed me, said your worst nightmare will come to life. Funny fact, it, Austin is all of our worst nightmares. You might not realize it, but deep in your it's subconscious. Like that mirror in Harry Potter that like it shows you whatever you most desire. Except, except it's, I'm just like your worst nightmare. Inside everyone's subconscious is a construct of Austin that you don't even realize is there. And he is your I'm inside greatest of all of you at once. Austin is, is inside all of you. Austin. Oh, that's right. Welcome to the show. You know what episode we're on? Uh, eight? Nine. Oh, fuck me. We're on episode nine. Next next episode, I don't even know what I'm doing yet, but I guess it's, big gonna, one. I guess it's gonna be special. A good old episode so, ten, the cardboard anniversary. Cake. What is it, the, the ten anniversary? Huh? What's 10? episode ten? Where what is uh, the tenth anniversary? What do you mean? Well, you know how anniversaries are like your, you know they how they like for wedding anniversaries. It's like your. They they call the anniversaries like different things, like one of them's like your like silver anniversary and one's your gold and you're supposed to like give the couple gifts. It's like oh, an old timey. It's like an old timey thing. I don't yeah, sounds... I don't know what ten is. Maybe you're supposed to get ten like the medal. I hope not because tin carcinogenic. Yeah, I think it like if I think it's like lead. <laughs> like if you touch yeah. it, it could get in your blood. <laughs> yeah. Let's, so let's not uh, give people. Yeah, maybe not. Um, hey, Austin, so obviously you remember last week how we talked about um, writing to Ted Kaczynski and then reading, yes. trying to get him to respond and reading it back on the show? Yeah. So the, definitely a thing I want to move forward with. Um, obviously, yeah, I, I, I'm probably going to leave out in the letter that this is specifically for a podcast because I, I, I'd assume he's not, I, if he's aware of what a podcast is, I'm assuming he's not very keen on it. I first guarantee he's aware of what it is because he's got a book for sale on Amazon. Oh, okay. Well, you know. So he's aware of Amazon and is okay with it, which seems hypocritical for well, his overall. Well, maybe message. is maybe is like you know, lawyer whoever has the rights would put it on there and weren't really like they didn't he didn't make the decision. I don't know. Well, I saw a screenshot. Someone like sent him a long ass letter where they were like, like I did some research after the last episode. Oh. And someone like sent him a long letter and was like. Hey, I have all these questions after reading your manifesto and like, what do you think on this and this? Would you consider, you know, just like all these like, uh, explan explanatory, explanatory questions that they wanted answered. And like, it's a long thing. And he sent back a postcard and was like, uh, dear so-and-so. I couldn't possibly find the time to answer all of your questions. Yeah, but I, a lot of, I, I answered a lot of them in my new book, this and this available uh, on amazon.com. Uh, huh. I was like, wow, fuck you, the Unabomber. Well, it, with the exception of the part about book, um, of his new book, I, I know that a lot of his, um, 
like correspondence with people who write to him is very much like, yeah, I don't have time to answer all your shit. Uh, here's one thing. Okay, bye. Yeah, <laughs> Which like, like he's, he's in. He's so busy in prison. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. I mean, maybe he just doesn't like writing letters. Maybe he's like just been figuring out how to build bombs in prison this whole time without being detected. Maybe that that'd be pretty. Uh, that'd be pretty impressive if that's the case. That'd be pretty Ted Kaczynski of him. Uh, let's talk some inside baseball real quick. Can you turn down uh, the volume in your headphone just a wee bit? Oh, sorry. I like leaned towards. Oh, the maybe that's what it was. I was scratching my foot. Oh, okay. Maybe that's why. Um, but uh, back on to back on to Ted Kaczynski. Like, yeah, I'm probably gonna leave out that it's for a podcast and the letter. And but like, you know, some might say, well. But then you're going to put it on a podcast. What if he finds out? To which I'd respond, he's in prison and he doesn't like technology. So I don't think he's ever going to find out. Yeah. <laughs> unless Honestly. someone tells him, I guess. <laughs> which, so, in which case, he's in prison. <laughs> which is, he can't... Unless one of y'all's a snitch. Yeah, don't, don't snitch. Oh, um, but on that topic of getting uh, correspondence and or special guests on the show, what do you think the, the likelihood or the odds are that we could get Hunter Biden to come on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Um, he seems like, he seems like the kind of chill dude. He seems like he might want to talk about a movie with us. You know what? It's worth a shot. I mean, you know, he's kind of like a, he's kind of like a, a, a chill kind of party guy. Maybe yeah, he wants yeah. to hang out and talk about a movie. We can, we can be like, Hey, you can tell us about a movie or a show you like Hunter Biden. <laughs> you know, he's he, on and on about his favorite show being cheers and just like. Yeah. Greatly goes into why all the characters are so complex and all this. He's like a big Cheers stan. Yeah, that would be fun if he's like really obsessed about like one specific thing. You know, he's married to like a South African like rich lady. Oh, really? A white South African rich lady. Oh. Uh, and 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 he converted to uh, to Judaism for her. Like to when when he married her, he like converted because she's Jewish. Oh. But before that, before he married this lady, you know he was in a relationship with Bo Biden, who died, the other brother who died. He was in a relationship with Bo's, like, widowed wife. Oh, my God. I think it was some sort of, like, weird, like, rebound. Like, my brother's dead, and I'm sad about it, and he was your husband, and you're sad about it, so let's let's bang it out. Jesus. I don't know how long it lasted. It was, like, a little while. I mean, good for them. I they guess. didn't get married or anything, but people cope in different ways. I guess so. And for Hunter Biden, that was copious amounts of meth and drugs, because that's the other was thing. It meth? I thought it was coke. Oh, maybe it was. I think it was like everything. Yeah, hell yeah, brother. All right, you're good for him. Yeah, yeah, but I think I we could definitely him get him on the show. I just need to yeah, figure out a way to contact him. Let's get him on the show and read the letter from Ted Kaczynski on that same episode, so he's there. sure we can get his we can get his uh, opinion on it. Yeah. What do you think of this, Hunter? What's your dad think of the Uniball? What is your dad? <laughs> hey, Hunter. What does your dad think of the Uniball? <laughs> Tell. Are we? Are we? Are we? Are we? Sh- are we shooting too small? Are we limiting our worldview too much? Should we just go for the moon and try to get Biden on the podcast? <laughs> hey, why not? I have a lot of questions. I don't think he knows what a podcast is. That seems like it'd be too deep in the phone for what? him. What is this, a radio play? Jack? <laughs> I'll be on your radio show, Jack. I'll give you five minutes. and you know, I squeeze it in my schedule. I'm very busy. 
Can we get Biden's dog, Major, that kept biting people on the podcast? <laughs> the real Major's my favorite White House staff. Can we get him on the podcast? Yeah. We're just asking the double questions. Like, hey, yeah. why do you hate Secret Service so bad? Yeah. Austin, why don't you tell the fine people at home what today's uh, topic of discussion is? Chud. Uh, excuse me, I said tell them what the topic of discussion is, not make a, a grotesque noise into your microphone. <laughs> it's Chud. Oh, you mean the 1984 film Chud? All caps? Y- yes. No cap? Yeah, all cap. All cap, no cap. All caps, no cap, baby. That is correct, Austin. It's Chud. <laughs> it's Chud. They should have made a today. They should have made a sitcom after this movie, and they could have called it "It's, it's Chud. Chud." And then the catchphrase would have been like, "Hey, who just walked in? Oh, it's Chud." I don't know how well a sitcom about cannibals would go. It could work. I, I, I'd make it work. We'd make yeah. We'd make, make it, it work. work. We'll put that on the docket. First, first and foremost, terms of business is our uh, Puchinski reboot. reboot. But after that, we'll work on our Chud sitcom. Yeah. So uh, that's good to have a list going. Um, so Austin, I did. I texted you this earlier. What questions do you have? Um. Okay. See, so I remembered this part this week. Last week I was going to so skip it, and I remembered. How do you? I remembered the show um, that I made up, how it goes. So, first off, I just wanted to make sure that when we're talking about Chud, we are talking about the movie that's an acronym for Cannibalistic Humanoid Underground Dwellers. That is correct. And also my preferred uh, term for right-wing anyone. To insult people who are yeah. who, we, who, you know, who are dumb yeah. or reactionary. Cool. Yes. Okay, so that is that. Yes. Um, how tall are they? How tall is a chud? Sure. In the film, uh, I mean, best I can tell. Taller than humans. Best I can tell, they're about human height, if not maybe a little bigger on the large side. You know, on the okay. basket, maybe more on the basketball player side of height. And if they're cannibalistic, are they eating other chuds or are they eating people? Uh, no, I don't think they go after each other. It's kind of going after a, a fresh uh, prey. So they are human then. Because cannibalism. Well, we'll get into the. Would infer. Well, in the film. Okay. Well, we'll in the when when I explain the film, we'll get into how not only um, is yes they are it, much like a werewolf. One is turned into a chud. Uh, uh-huh. One does not start as a chud. One becomes a chud, and then through your insatiable hunger, uh, you indirectly create further chuds. At least as I'm to believe in the movie. But also we'll delve into the movie how the 
description of, as uh, cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers is somewhat of uh, not entirely correct and or intentionally maybe a little bit uh, wrong, um, and we'll get into why. Oh, but okay. for the for now, yes, they are people or were people, and they are eating uh, other people, All or at right. least attacking and biting, eating well, some okay. of them. Yeah, good to know. Good to know. So, so you said it came out in nineteen eighty four. Nineteen eighty four. Was it a smash hit, or has it been more of a cult classic? Uh, yeah, definitely more of a cult classic. Released in only, I think I remember seeing online, it said somewhere around 300 theaters. Didn't do super big or anything. I think it did fairly well on like home video because it was released both on VHS and Betamax um, after it ran nice. in the theaters. Um, and I think it was kind it of... Was on Laserdisc? I didn't see anywhere that said Laserdisc. I think primarily... I mean, it's not like it was shot in, on like like high super high quality. So even if you put it on Laserdisc, I don't think it would... I don't think it warranted it, even though now there is like a special Arrow, uh, Arrow released a uh, like a two disc edition Blu-ray of it that's like nice, mm. um, so you know still. But uh, I think it was mainly just Betamax and VHS. But I think it sold fairly well. It was kind of up um, one of like the main kind of like B movie horror films around that time. Nice. Okay. Uh, was it based on a book? Uh, as far as I can tell, no. I don't believe okay, so. For some reason, I thought it was. Um, so that's more of just my no, preconceived notions. I n didn't see anything about a book. As far as I know, it's a completely okay. original script idea. And um, who directed it? What's their name? And are they an entrepreneur? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, well, you ask that, and now I'm having to go back to my computer and uh, look it up because I have uh, no clue because uh, this person directed no other movies. <laughs> They, like, edited one or two things. They did basically nothing. They don't even have a Wikipedia page. Um, they have an IMDb, but it's, like, super sparse. As far as I can tell, this was the only thing. Uh, his name was Douglas Cheek, and that's cheek like butt. Um, Got him. So as far as I can tell, though, he did nothing else. And I looked up the both the screenwriting credit and the story by credit. Both of those guys did, like, nothing else ever as well. So, like, I don't know where they got all these, like, random people who like made chud and then was like made chud was such a bad experience that they just dropped out of the industry or i don't know what happened hmm. but i'll tell you this what it lacks in uh notable people behind the camera it makes up for in front of the camera oh yeah yeah you, should i tell you i didn't yeah just give me give me a uh... okay um uh, so yeah. first off since I'm already saying some of the facts, I wanted to just throw in that uh, it's it's one of the it's shot in New York City, or if it's not, I don't know where it was shot because it definitely is like kind of your prototypical like sleazy shot in New York City horror movie. If it wasn't shot in New York City, it was shot in some other large urban center. But I'm pretty sure it's New York City. I would be okay. very surprised if I was wrong on that. But it was it only cost uh, 125 million to make, so pretty low budget operation. 125 million? Yeah. Oh, not not sorry, sorry. I said that wrong. Oh. That that would be a lot. 1.25 million. Sorry. Okay, okay. That's so, still like a lot of money, but Well, yeah, not for a movie. Right, you're right. Uh so on to actors as I mentioned. 
So it's kind of like a, there's kind of three protagonists almost. I think you can point out one is kind of the main protagonist, but they kind of all share equal weight in the um, story. So your first actor and uh, is going to be played by a guy named John Hurd. Uh, he's been mm-hmm. in several things um, after this and before this. I don't think I've John heard of him. Uh, overall, I mean, he was pretty... He's not, like, very prolific. He's just been in a lot of random things, um, including uh, he was in... Um, uh, he was in Martin Scorsese's After Hours. He was mm-hmm. in uh, one of our favorite films, Big... Uh, he was in, yeah, he was in, uh, Sharknado later on. Um, apparently he had a recurring role on the TV show Prison Break, as well as a guest starring role on The Sopranos, um, which he was nominated for an Emmy for, apparently. However, uh, his main credit that I feel like most would know him for is he played the dad in the first two Home Alone films. Uh, Mr. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Uh, Peter McAllister, of course, father of character Kevin McAllister, played by Macaulay Culkin mm. in the first two Home Alone films. And that's Macaulay the McRib is back Culkin, right? Yes, as his full or is name. That Macaulay, Macaulay. I thought it was Culkin Macaulay Culkin. Culkin. Yeah, I thought it was Macaulay Macaulay Culkin Culkin. Is his yeah, full I think name? That's what it was. I Wikipedia probably says it. Uh, did he legally change that? I don't know. Wikipedia does not say he did. Oh no, it does. It says it says Macaulay Macaulay Culkin Culkin born Macaulay Carson Culkin. <laughs> <laughs> this motherfucker actually did it, huh? Yeah. Um, no. God bless him. Anyway, so that's kind of our first lead actor. Our next main actor in this film is Daniel Stern. Uh, who's known for several, you know, uh, ran- a bunch of random things, including the films uh, City Slickers as well as the sequel to City Slickers. He was the narrator voice, the adult voice of Fred Savage's character on The Wonder Years, um, the TV show. Um, however, uh, other things as well, but however, do you know his and John Hurd's main connection, Austin? No, I do not. Daniel Stern, if you're not aware, uh, he played the crook marv along with joe pesci who in the first two home alone films he's the taller guy with the curly hair and the beard so that's daniel stern so him and john hurd are in chud in 84 and then they're both in home alone and home alone 2 in the early 90s however they don't actually ever share screen time together obviously you know the father's doing the oh we left kevin behind stuff and then daniel stern is you know, trying to rob him, Kevin. So they're not ever on screen together, but it is weird. They both ended up as kind of, you know, sort of prominent characters in Home Alone series after starring in Chud in 1984. You know, um, this is unrelated to that, but did you know that Macaulay Macaulay Culkin Culkin dated Mila Kunis from 2002 to 2010? Uh, and then since 2017 has been dating Brenda Song. Uh, they're married, actually, and they just had a child. That is... How did I not know that? I'm, I don't that's know. That's such a, like unexpected um, uh, 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 pairing. Well, I bet we could get him on our show. I mean, he seems like he'd do just about anything once. Yeah, probably. 
and I respect that. I'll call. I'll I'll have my agent reach out. To <laughs> yeah, I'll have my agent tell your agent to reach out to him. Okay, great. Uh, so then finally, our third kind of lead. Also, I'll I'll note. Uh, a character we see early on in the movie is actually Daniel Stern's real-life wife. And I'll point out that character when they appear. Oh, I love that. So next, our third kind of main cast member is a guy named Christopher Curry. And this was actually his first film role. And he's actually like a fairly like large, as I said, he's kind of you know, our, a third main person in this film. It was his first role. And in the film, he's got to be at least middle-aged, 50s or older. So pretty interesting that his first film role is kind of late in life already, but he also kind of nags, uh, snags a, a, a decent role. Um, he okay. would later go on to do a lot of television work. Uh, he appears in the movie Starship Troopers. However, also, funnily enough, a Home Alone connection, uh, not with the first two movies, but Christopher Curry appears in the third Home Alone film. Obviously, that's not Home Alone 3, if you remember, is the one with the kid. And he has the RC car that has like secret, like government plans in it, and all of the like spy people are trying to steal it from him. Oh, uh, kind of like the Drake and Josh movie where they have the iPod. I have no clue. Uh, you and, saw that one? Did yeah. They steal Tony Hawk's car. So obviously, obviously, uh, Daniel Stern and John Hurd, you know Kevin and all his family. That's not at all in the plot of Home Alone Three. So they're not in it. But just another interesting way that. Apparently, all these actors are connected to Home Alone, the Home Alone series, uh, with Christopher Curry, our third lead, being in the third one. Now, what about Ron Howard? Does he make an appearance? Uh, I, as far as I can tell, no significant Ron Howard uh, connection, uh, but I could have missed something. I wasn't deeply searching for it. I'm sure there's one there if you dig deep enough. Uh, so, audience members, uh, look into that. Finally, um, in terms of actors, I'll note that we have a very early career uh, appearance from none other than America's dad, as he is called by many, good old John Goodman. John Goodman is my actual father. He has a small role in this, well, like a one scene, you know, uh, basically extra, uh, speaking with speaking lines, but a very early career appearance from Mr. Goodman. Uh. Nice. So, so yeah, pretty fun, interesting lot on the actor side, and they all turn in very solid, enjoyable performances. Uh, are you? You don't have any further questions, correct? No, that was it. Okay, Jaya, good. I just want to check. Um, I'll finish out this kind of facts. I've gone through a majority of them. I wanted to point out that. Um, this film is actually directly referenced um, in Jordan Peele's uh, second horror movie, Us, as that film also pertains to its horror movie involved involving uh, the underground and underground uh, dwellings of sorts. And this film is prominently featured, a VHS copy of this film is prominently featured um, on the set of one of the opening scenes in his film, Us. So that's an interesting little connection. I'll say. Uh, and finally, I'll point out that, uh, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, it is kind of a cult hit, beloved by many uh, horror and genre fans. It's been also referenced and parodied in a lot of stuff, uh, just to name a couple that I wrote down here. The Simpsons, uh, Castle, Archer, and uh, I oh, thought, nice. thought this would be of interest to you. Apparently, it was referenced 
or parodied in some way in an episode of Marvel's Agents of Shield. So I have no clue wait, when wait. I have no clue when or where, but I've seen all of that show. Well, well yeah, I know. Uh, but I it, it, there was a citation needed next to that on Wikipedia, so I'm not sure where or when it is referenced exactly. Um, but I thought you'd find that interesting. That's amazing. Um, you know, that. you always see you know lesser media referencing you know greater works of art. Um, so <laughs> in the case wow. of Marvel Agents of Shield, referencing okay. Chad. All right, sure. Uh, so, yeah, those are the facts I have. Those are my chud facts. Well, you know, that was a pretty chud-tastic. Good. Two chuds up? Yeah, I think we can call it an episode. All right, let's uh, sign off for next. Thank you guys so much for listening. <laughs> um, so, yeah, chud facts with Austin and Peyton. Short version. Well, uh, thanks for listening to Chud Facts with Austin and Peyton. ready to uh sink your teeth into uh into chud i'm ready to to um um, drain and skin and then fabricate a nice section of the brisket of this of this movie and then uh season it up let it sit for an hour and slow cook it for probably nine or ten hours at 270 degrees well, we're not going to be doing any of that, but I will be okay. telling you what sure, happens sure. in the movie. Thank you. So. Oh, also, happy Star Wars Day. What? Happy Star Wars Day. It's May the 4th. What? What's that? Okay. Star, what? Stars, what? I'll go fuck myself. <laughs> guy, that's my new character called Guy who's somehow never heard of Star Wars. Not even remotely familiar with it. Not even, never heard it at, at even once in passing. It's not just, oh, I, I've never seen Star Wars. It's like, what's that? Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's pop into Chud. Let's, let's, let's take a, let's slip into Chud. Yeah. So we open, it's a, uh, a foggy, uh, misty uh, urban street of the Big Apple, rough neighborhood, debris and trash line the streets and whatnot shady area and we see a woman walking her dog and as i mentioned earlier this woman is played by in a cameo by daniel stern's wife she's walking down this empty street walking walking her little white dog little small dog and suddenly the manhole cover of a manhole lifts up and a gross looking monster clawed arm reaches out and grabs this lady and she is pulled into the sewer uh never to be seen again by this mysterious monster arm and what is get, this it and we get our title card of chud next day it's the same street but day and you know there's various vagrants and homeless people walking around 
and we follow the camera up to a second or third story window of a building on said street where a man is taking pictures, photographs, and we learn this guy is George. He is a photographer, and specifically, apparently, he's been doing a assignment and where he has been kind of getting to know and taking pictures of some specific, uh, you know, homeless people he's met on the street. He's doing he's doing the pictures while someone else is doing an article about them, right. and he is having trouble because apparently some of these uh, homeless people he's gotten to know he hasn't seen in weeks even in their normal locations and spots he's they've just gone missing and he's baffled uh we find his I'll be girl honest, i'm baffled as well yeah well you'll hopefully be not by the end uh his girlfriend and him have just moved into this apartment it's unclear if that's because of this assignment he's working on or that's just like tangential that they've moved into this apartment but uh, his girlfriend lauren uh is talking about how oh remember we have to go to this perfume photo shoot you have to do for me later and uh i need to go get this jewelry downstairs and george is kind of being a little pissy pissy pisser about it and he doesn't want to do this perfume ad he's like uh dumb you know corporate bullshit ad but i guess i gotta do it so the girlfriend lauren goes down into the basement where they have some of their like not stuff they haven't unpacked uh the basement of this apartment building because she needs to get um i think some jewelry or something she needs for the photo shoot she goes down into this basement, and while getting the jewelry out of a box, we see kind of a metal service access door that we can assume leads down into the underground and the sewers and whatnot. We hear an ominous scratching at this metal door. Uh, mm. Meanwhile, um, this uh, meanwhile um, this neighbor of the apartment building who just bumped into Lauren and you know told her, hi, welcome to the building, and stuff like that, is frightened um, outside by a kind of rustling among a bunch of trash and cardboard boxes. There appears to be something maybe under or within this debris and trash, but she can't see it. It's and probably a raccoon. It, yeah, I mean, you know, but it seems like something big because it's really rustling around. And eventually, after being frightened and the movement stops, she goes up and looks and there is a large, bloody kind of hole, like, clawed through the trash and stuff, leading down into the sewer, into the underground of the city. So, we cut, and we are in a local of this neighborhood. It's never specifically said, but it definitely seems like, you know, maybe Brooklyn, or even, you know, Queens, or the Bronx. Some, you know, kind of rougher neighborhood, you know, 1980s, of course. I want to mention, this is like one of my favorite settings for films is like 70s and 80s New York, like dirty, trashy New York is one of my... Like that music video that's like Fly Like an Eagle. Oh yeah, exactly. Look up that music video. That's a great one. But, uh, you know, it's this in general, this is one of my favorite genres. It's like trashy, kind of sleazy, low budget horror movies shot in dirty, grimy 70s, 80s New York. Um, So we we cut and we're in a... uh, local precinct where we follow detective Bosch into the precinct and he's kind of fed up and frustrated with this rising number of missing persons reports both homeless people and uh other people um that aren't homeless just in general it's this piling up of you know new missing people reports coming in every day but according he he gets on the phone and tells 
his, I guess, maybe like district, uh, you know, captain or something or chief. And he's been told to kind of keep his mouth shut and keep it under the radar, not make a big deal about it. But he's really kind of getting fed up about this. Uh, we cut back and George and Lauren are at their perfume photo shoot. George obviously photog photographing, Lauren's the model. And again, George is being a little pissy pisser because he doesn't want to be there. He wants to be doing his, you know, meaningful photography. Uh, so he's there and, uh, you know, he's upset. Uh, meanwhile, um, we have a guy named AJ, who's played by Daniel Stern. As for me. Again, John Hurd is George. Daniel Stern is AJ, and I forget the other guy's name, but he's Detective Bosch. So nice. okay. AJ, played by Daniel Stern, is kind of this, you know, wild, crazy, poofy, curly hair, beard, really scrawny guy. He's kind of, he's running in this kind of dilapidated building. He's running like a homeless shelter soup kitchen type setup. And Detective Bosch arrives there, and apparently him and AJ have some past history. It's hinted at maybe, you know, AJ, you know, kind of was... Uh, some sort of offender of a you know thief or something of sorts, but now he's kind of he as he tells Detective Bosch, he's really turned himself around. Uh, he says, you know, I'm just running the soup kitchen now, trying to help out these people. Uh, but he tells Detective Bosch, um, who's come by because uh, AJ has submitted missing persons report for some of the you know regular people he has coming into a soup kitchen and he tells detective Bosch that specifically it's the homeless people he knows that live underground in the subway tunnels and in the access tunnels and stuff like that and apparently they've been disappearing over the last two weeks just uh, without a trace they're not coming up apparently there's like a in the cellar of the building there's like a tunnel that leads directly into the underground and these people who normally come up through that and come to get the food there just have disappeared so the detect so Detective Bosch is uh, you know he goes over and AJ says you know that guy right there he's the only underground guy that keeps coming I don't know where the other ones went Detective Bosch tries to go well, talk obviously he's killing him well you'd think but he's not wait I also want to know um, is Detective Bosch related to the Power Tool brand uh, as far as I can tell no oh damn okay it's unspecified maybe in the extended universe or in the lore. But uh, not in the not in the film. Sure. sure, why not? So Bosch talks to this homeless guy who's kind of the only. He's a former underground liver, uh, and Bosch goes to talk to him and is like, you know, where what you know what's happening to people, what's going on, and the uh, underground guy, former underground guy, he's really paranoid. He's kind of saying some, you know, nonsensical, ominous ramblings about you know, doomsday and that kind of stuff. Um, so very ominous. Back at the photo shoot, uh, George gets a call um, on the phone in the studio, and he bails out, and he goes to the police station to help um, bail out a an older homeless woman who is in the police station because she tried to uh, steal the gun off of an officer. Smart. Um, so George shows up at the police station. He helps this woman out, um, and they go on their way talking. Uh, the police send a tail to follow George and this homeless woman uh, at the same time. So we see George and this homeless woman talking. He's like, you know, why'd you grab the gun? You know, why would you do something like that? And she mentions how uh, someone named Victor wanted it for protection. Mm. And as they're talking classic and stuff, Victor. classic Victor, as they're saying this and everything, they decide 
Uh, George decides to follow her into the underground. So they, you know, go down into a subway station and then kind of jump um, where the platform ends onto the tracks, but then kind of go back to the to a kind of undeveloped, uh, empty area, and from there go into this kind of underground world. Uh, at which point mm-hmm. they lose their police tail. So, you know, after navigating their way through different tunnels and crawl spaces and all this of the, uh, of the subway tunnel empty area system, they kind of get to a little shanty, you know, shack built out of different debris and trash and stuff where they meet kind of a, a group of these underground dwellers, one specifically named Victor. And it, it seems George has a, uh, you know, rapport with these people, which then you realize, oh, these must have been ones who he got to know photographing and whatnot. So we meet Victor, and it's revealed that Victor has just a horrible, just gross, gnarly bite on his leg. Super gross looking. And this is the same Victor who wanted a gun because he says he, you know, he wanted protection. He needs to protect himself. But of what, we do not know. Right. They have all those, and I hate that. Yeah. So back at the the, um, soup kitchen homeless shelter... Uh, AJ kind of presses Bosch is like, so, you know, why are you all of a sudden so interested in this? Why do you care about, you know, us and these homeless people and stuff? And we find out that the lady who was pulled underground with the dog in the very first scene happens to be Detective Bosch's wife. And so now he has skin in the game, which is why all of a sudden he's so uh, interested in these uh, disappearances and whatnot. Because I hate when you get skin in the game. I hate it. I said, "Ah, oh, damn! I got skin, skin in the game." Get, my skin gets in the game all the time. I hate it when I when I get snagged and it rips off and it's in the game. Oh, the skin's in but, the game. So that's why Bosch is now uh, involved because his wife disappeared without a trace one night while walking the dog. AJ, the uh, our soup kitchen guy, says, "Well, you know, every year the EPA, along with the um, I want to say what was it, R." R, I want to say RNC, but I know that's like the Republican National Convention. Um, R, maybe it's RCN. It's like uh, radioactive contamination something. But he basically, it's like a branch of the EPA. AJ says, you know, every year they come, they just do, you know, like an assessment of our sewer system and, you know, gas pipes and subway system and all that. But this year, they've been down there and investigating for like four weeks when it normally only takes a couple of days. Uh, but they won't say why. They won't even confirm that they're still here and that they're still doing stuff. And he's super suspicious. And he says he keeps finding, AJ does, he keeps, when he goes down under into the, you know, into the sewers and the subway system, he keeps finding, like, radiation nuclear uh, detecting and protective equipment, you know, like Geiger counters mm-hmm. and, you know, hazmat, hazmat yeah, hazmat Ooh. suits and boots and stuff like that. Um, some goggles? Yeah, Is yeah. because they look cool? Well, uh, we don't see any, but it's definitely within the realm of possibility. Um, and I like it when goggles look cool. Yeah, well, and so AJ takes uh, Detective Bosch down into the sewer, um, and he shows him the Geiger counter that he found, and they switch it on, and it, like, lights up. It's, like, showing the area around them. It's majorly radiated, but then it goes away, almost like, you know, it was fu- it, the radiation was attached to something that's moving. But we don't know why, and they decide to get out of there. And but they keep the Geiger counter, and they go back up to the surface. You know, kind of collecting evidence of, you know, what's going on here. Why are all these radioactive detecting devices down here? Meanwhile, 
uh, we see it's back at night, and we see kind of uh, an old man, a granddad, and his little daughter. They're both carrying suitcases, maybe like they just got to the city. And they're walking on our kind of main street we've seen um, that George's apartment is on. And they seem a little lost. They stop at a phone booth. And the, um, you know, the grandfather puts in a quarter or whatever, and he's calling on the phone and saying, you know, hey, we're here. Uh, we made it to the city, but I think we're lost. Um, but meanwhile, while the granddad's on the phone, the little girl sees out of the manhole, the cover lifts up and a creepy arm comes out. And before he, know, oh, no. before he knows it, the grandfather turns around to look, and the, the chud is right there, and he attacks the grandfather in the phone booth. Turning the page here. Oh, we, no cut, we cut to the next morning, and the little girl, we see she's in the police precinct because, you know, she was probably found all alone. And we find out that, you know, she's been saying that a monster attacked her grandfather. And obviously, obviously everyone wants to blow her off as just some little uh, burp. Excuse me. Yeah, who's going to believe a, a goddamn monster, you know? Not me. Yeah. Uh, but Bosch hears this and, you know, kind of using his, you know, deductive skills kind of puts two and two together. And he finally kind of is at his limit. He's tired of, you know, acting like there's not something going on. And so he gives the orders. You know, he's like, I want men out on the streets. I want them on the street corners. I want, you know... I want you guys to be out there and watching because I think something's going on. And he also says, you know, get on the phone, get you, you know, get me the get me the commissioner, uh, get me all the higher ups because I'm not keeping quiet anymore. And yeah, basically, don't be quiet about it. Yeah, and basically he's like, you know, tell the EPA guy, tell the commissioner, you know, I'm gonna come here at this time and they gotta meet me there. So Bosch then goes off. He picks up AJ's like. We're, we're confronting him. I need your help. Come bring, you know, the, the equipment you found. As well as uh, they, AJ hints how, like, oh, I know this guy, George. He's been, you know, taking pictures of these homeless people and stuff. He knows them, some of these ones that went missing. Uh, maybe we can use his pictures or something. So they go to get George at his apartment, but George isn't there. Oh, no. So Daniel Stern, kind of using his, like, you know, street know-how, uses a screwdriver to, like, jimmy the lock. And they get in where they find the picture that George has taken of Victor's horrible, you know, leg bite. So they take that and they head off to this meeting. So at the meeting, um, they have like, I guess, the, maybe like the commissioner of the police, as well as this EPA leader guy. And uh, they tell them how, you know, they're, uh, they have all this evidence and they basically outline like what's going on. We know something's happening under, in the underground and the sewers and the uh, subway tunnels. Um, but of course, you know, the, the, these, you know, big wig guys, they just blow them off. They're like, oh, it's not a big deal. Trust me. You're just, you know, you're in over your head. It, everything's normal. And they act this way until AJ kind of in a rage, he whips out the picture of Victor's leg bite and he shows them. And so that kind of causes them to pause and really causes yeah, at first them. They thought it was some ground beef and they weren't sure. Well, at first, yeah, yeah. At first they're like, you know, what is this? A, a, a black and white picture of lasagna. Uh, but he's like, no, that's human leg. What is this? A Pittsburgh style steak? What is this? A RB sandwich, a roast beef sandwich. Uh, and, and Daniel Stern's character says, no, it's a leg. It's someone's leg and it's bitten. Um, oh, we cut back and George, while kind of in the park with his girlfriend, um, he's approached by this guy who introduces himself as Murphy and says that he's a freelance reporter. And he tells, um, he tells George like, Hey, I know you've been, you know, helping out these homeless people. And I know you, 
I know you think there might be something going on. I want to help you. I want to work with you on this. But I also want to tell you that I know the police have been tailing you. I think they're going to try, you know, I think they suspect you of something, but you need my help. Uh, George doesn't really want to listen, and he kind of blows him off and gets into a cab and, you know, rides away. Uh, and so, you know, rather than helping Murphy on this sewer story conspiracy. Back at the, uh, the, the meeting between Bosch and the big wigs, um, the uh, commissioner and the EPA guy, Wilson, um, they basically tell uh, Bosch and Daniel Stern, um, AJ, they tell him, you know, oh, well, you know, there is, a, you know, there's a radiation spike in that one specific neighborhood because, um, you know, that legal uh, order about, you know, not allowing us to move radioactive material in the city. Well, when they said we weren't allowed to, we were actually already in the process of moving something. So until that order comes through, we can't move it out of that neighborhood. So that's why there's a spike in this. Um, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, totally 100% makes sense. Uh, yeah, definitely. Totally I believe them. I believe them fully. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and so, so, uh, the EPA guy kind of, um, what does this say? I'm trying to, oh yeah, he says, he's basically kind of like, uh, he, he won't confirm that there's any presence though in the series. Just like, oh, it's just some radioactive waste, but that's all it is. But uh, AJ, oh, sure, sure. AJ finally kind of reaches his limit. He's like, you guys are not telling us something. You know, I'm not one of you corporate guys. I'm just, you know, looking out for the, these homeless people. And I've had enough. I'm taking my evidence and I'm going to the press. And in this kind of big commotion while he's leaving the room, he knocks a folder off of the table. And Detective Bosch picks it up. And it says a top secret file, you know. The property of the U.S. government and the EPA, and on the file it says "chud," you know, C H U D. And Bosch is like, "What the hell? Top, you know, secret, confidential chud? What? What is this? What does this Someone mean?" Someone really misspelled Chad. And yeah. who's Chad? Who's Chad? And why did they misspell his damn name? Uh, but get to the bottom of this one. But the EPA guy kind of panicked. He's like, "Give me that! Give me that!" But before he can, obviously, you know, Bosch reads out chud and stuff. And so the EPA guy, you know, he's hesitant to confirm anything, and then he gets a call on his on the on the phone and the on the table in the room, and he's like, "Where did you find it? What? Okay, yeah, we'll be there soon." And he hangs up, and the EPA guy Wilson is like, "All right, Chud, okay, it stands for, um, you know, two maintenance men just found one, and it stands for cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller, and we just found it. We found the body." Uh, and so Bosch and these top guys, obviously AJ's gone off, they go down to like this gas line, this kind of warehouse, where two workers um, have found something. They get there, they have to you know, suit up, put on all these hazmat suits, and then they go into a room, and on the table lays you know, this horrible mutated-looking monster, apparently killed by a gas leak. Uh, and so they take a look at it, and, you know, they see this and they come back out and take off the hazmat suits and Bosch is like, okay, what are we going to do? I, you know, we got to do something about this. And the EPA guy's like, oh, no, no, no. You know, it was probably just that one. You know, it's not a big deal. Oh, it's dead. Yeah, it's a one-off. It was, it was a one-off and look, it's dead. It died. So we're good. It's done. We're, we're, you know, nothing to worry about. 
But Bosch is like, no, I want to send a team of guys with flamethrowers down there right now. We can't, that is you know, we can't the fuck around. Solution. It's a very 80s horror movie thing to have your New York City police chief, or not chief, but captain be like, I'm sending guys into the sewer with flamethrowers, you know. That's like um, uh, Steven Seagal being handed a briefcase full of shotgun shells and a 12-gauge and out for justice. Yeah, exactly. Uh you know, you know, of course, the famous NYPD flamethrower division, he wants to send them down into the sewer. Forget the police robot dog. It's the police flamethrower division. It's just, yeah, I mean, every good police department needs a flamethrower division, am I right? I'll say. That's why American police department is the third largest military in the world. You know that, right? That's an accurate fact. Oh, that's not even surprising, and I hate that. Yeah, it's the third largest, like, or I don't know if it's considered the, but it's like by equipment, like measurement of like manpower and equipment, it's the third largest. Mm. Um, but anyway, so Bosch is like, yeah, I want to send guys with flamethrowers down there. But again, I said, uh, you know, the EPA guy Wilson is like, oh, it's all safe now. Don't worry. And so, you know, the EPA guy wants to send his guys down again just to like, you know, survey the area, take data and all that. So he sends his team of like scientists in hazmat suits with like a video camera hooked up to like a live feed on some monitors down there and Bosch is in the room too. And as the EPA guys get down there, they see on, they, they like run right into a bunch of cop like guys from Bosch with like gas masks and literal flamethrowers on their backs in the sewers. Uh, they kind of run into each other and the EPA guy sees this on their little, you know, live stream feed they have. He's like, Bosch, you know, he's like, what the hell? I told you we didn't need that. And he cut radios into his, you know, EPA guys down there. And he's like, get those men out of there. And Bosch looks over at Wilson and the EPA guy is like, are you kidding me? Your men have a camera. Mine have flamethrowers. I'd like to see them make my men leave the sewers. Uh, right. <laughs> and so, you know, the EPA guy, Wilson's like, fine, but, you know, just make sure they stay out of the way. And so they start to go into the sewer and try to do some, you know, recon when suddenly both teams, the, you know, EPA guys and the police flamethrower unit, uh, they're attacked by, they're attacked by some unseen chuds, if, uh, if you will. So they're attacked, they're completely killed off. And the commissioner, police commissioner guy is just like, that's it. I want, I want those tunnels sealed off and I want, us to divert all the gas lines into those tunnels and well, kill seen chuds that hollow notes album oh yeah that's true that's true so the commissioner wants to cut off these tunnels and basically flood them with gas to to you know smoke out anything and kill anything that's in the tunnels yeah smart so that's actually uh, a decent idea to be honest yeah so meanwhile back at the apartment george uh he he notices that the pictures of victor that uh, he had are missing because obviously Daniel Stern and Bosch took them. Uh, and so he's like, damn it, it, this must be the police. They're on, you know, they, they, they're trying to set me up or something. So he calls back this guy, Murphy, uh, that talked to him. And he's like, fine, I'll meet with you. You know, I'll meet you here at this time. Uh, so Bosch, meanwhile, you know, he's, he's concerned about this whole plan to flood the tunnels with gas to kill off the chuds and he thinks there's something more at play here so he goes and tells it he finds aj back at the soup kitchen he kind of you know regroups with him fills him in and um bosh basically confirms he's like but aj listen i know i saw it there is something down there there's you know there's a chud down there aj uh, and so meanwhile, uh, George and Murphy at the same time kind of decide to, uh, go down the sewer for themselves and have a look around. Uh, 
specifically, you know, just trying to find out what's happening. And uh, this guy Murphy, this investigative reporter, even has himself a little gun for protection down there in the sewer. And he's like, well, if Victor wanted a gun, I, you know, and he lives down here, then I'm bringing a gun too. Um, meanwhile, uh, AJ back at the soup kitchen, he's kind of decided to stay behind and let Bosch deal with stuff. He doesn't want a part in this. Uh, but the, he kind of gets the best of him. Uh, when he sees the gas on his stove in his kitchen of the soup kitchen go out, and he's like, damn it, they're really going through with this. So he goes down to kind of check on the uh, the underground. He tells that one paranoid guy from earlier, hey, you got to get out of here. They're going to fill this stuff with gas. Uh, but when AJ tries to leave the cellar that has this kind of tunnel to the to the underground, it's locked. Someone's locked him in, and we see that it's one of the Fed guys. They've locked him in there. And he can't get out, at least not that way. So now AJ's stuck in the tunnel. Meanwhile, with Murphy and George, suddenly uh, Murphy and George are attacked by a chud. It grabs, it grabs Murphy and pulls him, drags him off, uh, causing Murphy to drop the gun. And it, you know Murphy's a goner at this point. So George kind of grabs the gun and he runs off. AJ, you know, he's been trapped in the cellar, so he runs off into the sewer. You know, that being his only way to get out, he's got to go in to get out. Uh, he he's kind of you know kind of figuring out his way around and he stumbles across kind of the the chud you know kind of hide he sees like multiple of them gathered around a bunch of boxes of like green glowing radioactive waste stuff uh and so he tries to kind of back off slowly without making any noise but then he accidentally stumbles and he starts getting chased so he has to run away from all of them back at the apartment uh lauren the girlfriend to george she goes back down to this basement where she opens that metal door, service door, because she keeps hearing noise and she kind of looks down in it. And she doesn't mean to have to go smart. in it. Yeah, it's very smart. When you hear creepy noises behind a door, you open it. Uh, like, like, I live out, not like in the middle of nowhere, but like depending on where you're from, it, you can see my house is in the middle of nowhere. But like, you've got like an acre of land that's surrounded by woods on two sides. If I hear a noise outside at night, I don't go open the door. I just make sure all the doors are locked. That's, like, a, I just, that's a good plan. I just double plan. check that my house is, like, real secure. I'm not going to go outside to check because, like, I'm going to die. I'd rather die in my house. <laughs> yeah, no, understandable. Um, so she opens this access door. Um, you know, whether or not that's a good idea is up for debate. Uh, and she accidentally drops one of the items she has from the box down in it. So she has to climb down into this access tunnel where she turns around and is startled to find the hung up dead body of the little dog from the opening that, that, uh, Bosch's wife's dog that got pulled into the sewer along with Bosch's wife. So Meanwhile, like the taste of dog, huh? Yeah. I guess they don't like dog cause it's not eaten. It's just hanging there. Meanwhile, uh, we see Bosch and a couple of his men. They get a call about a dead body on the sh kind of the shore, the banks, um, you know, I guess of the Hudson River or some inlet of New York. Uh, and they go to check, and Bosch sees it, and it's his his wife's decapitated, ripped off head washed up on oh. the shore. Um, That's a lot. Yeah. So meanwhile, back in the uh, Back in the apartment, Lauren's now gone upstairs. She's called the police, told them about the dead dog, and told them to come by because um, she thinks something else might be down there. But she forgot to lock and close the panel all the way, and so a chud starts to emerge through that open panel in the basement of the building. And of after calling the police and everything, um, Lauren goes to shower in, in, in her apartment. 
when suddenly when suddenly the drain clogs as she's showering and so she reaches out uh grabs a wire hanger off of uh you know the towel rack you know and starts to kind of try to unclog the drain but doing so suddenly causes just blood to spurt out and shoot out of the the clogged drain uh meanwhile meanwhile well, I don't. We don't know what blood it is. We can only assume maybe human blood, just because of all the dead humans in the sewers, because of the chugs. Oh yeah, yeah, true. Uh, meanwhile, kind of your typical New York diner, two kind of cops on the beat come in to uh, sit down and have a bite to eat. And this one of the cops being a uh, good old uh, early role John Goodman. Uh, oh, hey. So they they sit down to eat at the diner, and while they do, suddenly uh, chuds kind of emerge from the sewers and surround the diner and break through the window and attack the diner. Uh, next thing we know, um, we're back at the apartment and the basement door is just, it's getting, it's being banged on and banged on uh, by the chud because he wants to get through that door. And he's, he's got the hunger. He suddenly bursts through the door and he's into the apartment. Back at the diner, it's like a big crime scene and the entire diner is just like broken windows and it's just implied that like everyone inside that diner was just like, just like eviscerated and eaten by the chuds because it's just like a bloody crime scene. And the EPA guy drives up and he's kind of just, you know, giving out orders mainly that, you know, okay, we're going through with this gas line thing. I want trucks on top of every manhole. You know, these trucks are going to be pressure sensitive to explode for some reason. Uh, if Smart, they, it, yeah. so he's like, watch the potholes. Uh, so we're going to close off the sewers, you know, cover, you know, basically shut these manholes with, with weight, uh, you know, that's what we got to do at this point. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, maybe welding is a better idea. I don't know if, well, I think that's too short. Of, they, they're really trying to do this really quickly. So I, they don't have time to run around and weld everything, I guess. I forgot welding's illegal in New York. Well, and that too. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, meanwhile, George stuck in the tunnel kind of comes across all of the mutilated, uh, dead bodies of the uh, EPA guys and everything. Oh, no, no, sorry. That's later. Sorry. Oh, yeah, sort it out. Sorry. George runs across the same kind of shanty setup he saw earlier when he went and visited George or Victor and everything. And he comes across bodies, and suddenly he sees Victor still al seemingly alive in this little shack, uh, kind of... You know, balled up in the corner, and he goes over to like try to help him. But then Victor turns around, and we see that Victor is already like mid chud transformation, you know, chud formation, if you will. And he's he's not fully because like the chuds, they're kind of like these just big like hulking, you know, slimy, weird, shiny eyed, big animal teeth, you know, looking, you know, gugas type things. Oh yeah, uh, gugas. And uh, and. Uh, but Victor is kind of mid-transformation. He's still kind of human-looking, but he's got these big teeth, and his eyes are kind of glowing. Um, and so George has to shoot Victor to kind of survive, um, at which point he meets up with AJ. AJ kind of stumbles in at that same time and ends up uh, kind of like helping Victor or helping George uh, kind of get out of that hairy situation. Um, and back up on the surface, Bosch is, arrives at the diner, and he's kind of like, you know, where, you know, what's going on? You know, are, you guys can't flood the thing with gas. There are probably people down in those sewers. You know, it's too dangerous. And he kind of blows up at the EPA guy about everything going on. Because, you know, you have to remember, Bosch just found the decapitated head of his, of his wife washed up yeah, on I'd the say beach. he's a little on edge. 
Yeah, he's a little on edge, definitely. Um, so basically, but the EPA guy doesn't listen. He causes them to stop the subways. They cut all the power uh, to the subways. All the manholes are now sealed, as I said. Uh, and so they're about to basically start pumping in the gas. At the apartment, um, we see uh, Lauren, the girlfriend, she sees something, I think, on the news about how they're about to, like, flood the tunnels with gas. And mm-hmm. she realizes, oh, my God, that's where George went. I have to go and, you know, warn him or whatever. But as soon as she tries to leave the apartment, the chud has made its way up to the apartment. Oh, and so she slams the door back shut. You know, she barricades it. She's kind of in fight, or, you know, fight mode to try and survive. Back in the tunnels, we've got AJ and George. And, you know, they can't get out of the sewer because all the manholes they keep trying are all already, you know, uh, driven, you know, have the trucks on top of them. So they can't lift them and they can't get out. Uh, meanwhile, the cops arrive at the apartment only to when they try to go check on Lauren, they're attacked by the chud. Uh, they, you know, they're knocked down the stairs and eaten up and ripped apart. Uh, AJ and George in the, t- in the tunnels down in the sewer come across the uh, radioactive waste dump kind of that, that AJ saw earlier, this kind of big dump of radioactive waste. And Radioactive you know, waste dump was my favorite um, uh, Vandals album. Very good. No, no, better Sound of Liberty. T-S-O-L, they're even way more than no, that. No clue. Uh, That's okay, classic punk. So they find all of these, you know, uh, toxic waste receptacles and stuff, and the, AJ's even like, these have been down here for a while, because it's like, there's so many, and they're so piled up that it's like, you know, these have been being dumped here for years. Uh, and uh, they even find um, the, all the dead uh, EPA guys. Um, and so... Even some of the even some of the uh, the radioactive waste things say chud on them, which is really interesting and strange. Um, but they Does can chud maybe sound uh, as, uh, stand for something else. In well, the well, side? we'll see. We'll see. Ooh, ooh, is it a backronym where like it was one thing and then like people added another definition? Like how RPG doesn't stand for rocket propelled grenade. I, I don't I don't know if it can be considered that, but j- just wait and we'll find out. Oh, uh, uh, so they keep going in the sewers. They come across all of the dead cops and EPA guys from earlier that were attacked, including that camera that apparently is still connected and sending a live feed. So basically, they get on the camera and they're like, "Help! We're stuck down here. Don't you know? Don't put in the gas. Uh, you know, we have to get out. Someone help us. We're gonna die." Yes, exactly. Um, and so. Meanwhile, the chud breaks into the apartment, uh, and Laura kind of is, is trying to run away from the chud. She ends up running into George's dark room for photography development, and I guess she gets some sort of large barrel of, uh, of some sort of chemical used for developing film, and she dumps it on the chud's head, which it doesn't like that at all, and it, it, it you know, is screaming. Uh, and she runs off the building using that chance with the ch- Oh, actually, sorry. First, uh, she dumps the chemicals on the head. That kind of stuns the chud, but he's still going after her. So then she grabs this giant, like, decorative sword that they just happened to have in their apartment. And they definitely showed it earlier in the film, so it's not like it came out of nowhere. But it's just, like, this actual, like, usable, like, sword. And she chops the head off of the chud. And it, and it flies off and, like, green blood spurts out of the neck of the chud. It's really great. Green uh, blood. It's a really great scene. 
Um, and she runs out of the building now with the Chud dead, and she jumps in the uh, the cop car from the dead cops that got killed by the Chud, and she drives off in the cop car to try and save George. Meanwhile, AJ and George, uh, their uh, mayday call gets the attention of Bosch, who's like, okay, you know, I... I'm gonna. I'll help you guys. You get to this specific manhole. You know, by you know, use these directions, and then I'll move the truck, and I'll and I'll help you out. Um, but so Bosch runs off, and he's like, "Who's got the keys to that truck?" And you know, get some. But then the EPA guy's like, "No, you can't do this. We're we're already you know filling the tunnels with gas. It's too late." Um, but Bosch basically is like, "Oh, you know, I learned something uh, when apparently Daniel." Uh, and, uh, not Daniel, George, George and AJ, uh, found something when they were in those tunnels. Remember how the, remember how the, I said some of the toxic waste things had Chud written on them. Bosch is like, they, and they told me, they read and they found out what it was when they were in those tunnels and they told me. And you know, how would you like it if I go to the press and tell them what Chud really stands for? Because when you said it stands for cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers, that was coming out of your ass what it really stands for is contamination hazard urban disposal and it's revealed that Ooh. apparently the this you know wing of the epa has just been dumping hazardous radioactive waste in the tunnels and sewers of this neighborhood in new york for years just disposing of it underneath the the the, the area where hundreds of thousands of, of these people live and so some real anti-environmentalist sentiment from this movie. Yeah. Well, well, you know, I'd say environmentalist because it's, you know, doing a good job to like portray the, the, uh, the bad guys is, I don't know. Yeah. But the EPA is the bad guys. Well, there, it's not really, it's like this, like, I don't, it's not like, like the EPA. It's like EPA. a rogue division. It's basically like, Oh, the government's like trying to pollute us basically. Uh, which, you know, is fairly correct. Um, so, you know, uh, Bosch threatens them with this, uh, and, um, you know, Wilson basically is like, I don't care, I'll, I'll figure it out, and he pulls a gun on Bosch, but Bosch is able to knock him out and run off and grab and get into the, uh, run off to the truck, uh, but Wilson regains his feet and runs off after him. Meanwhile, Lauren is speeding in this stolen cop car to try and find George in time, um, and she gets to the scene, parks the car, and is like, you know, who's in charge here? And, and I'm looking for Wilson, or I'm looking for who's in charge here. She's pointed to the EPA guy who's seen running off after Bosch. So these, so she runs after Wilson. Um, and so they're all running after each other. The chuds are starting to close in on AJ and George, who are obviously in the sewers. Um, Bosch gets to the truck. He drives the truck off of this manhole cover, opens it up just in the nick of time, but is shot by Wilson uh, and falls down. But AJ and George are still able to climb out of the sewer and shut the hole right as the chud is about to get them. But Wilson jumps in the truck, turns it on, and kind of swings it around and starts trying to run over AJ and George, who don't see him coming. Thankfully, that's when right when Laura Lauren shows up and she basically yells out, you know, watch out, and so they're able to jump out of the way uh, Wilson doesn't hit them with the truck. AJ grabs Bosch's gun and shoots Wilson like multiple times through the truck windshield. The truck crashes kind of into the manhole. And as I mentioned earlier, it's oh, like pressure sensitive, uh, pressure sensitive explosives in it for some reason. And so he shoots Wilson. It crashes like 
hitting the manhole, kind of like a pothole, and the whole truck explodes. And Ooh. as the truck explodes, and we can only assume that that causes a chain reaction, you know, either you know, lighting up all the gas in the sewers and tunnels and, you know, the gas and all that killing off the chuds. And as the fiery truck in the background, we see George and Lauren embracing and kissing. Meanwhile, uh, we hear a voice that says, nice shot, kid. And we look, AJ looks over and Bosch is still alive and he goes over to like tend to his wounds uh, as the credits begin to roll. The radiation in the ground makes a lovely bubbly sound. The men in suits who don't eat fruit can't comprehend the one-legged newt. That was caused from disaster at reactor's core. A meltdown expected to start a war. Now I bought myself a lead ascot. It looks good, but I'm starting to rot. Hey, you. really just like ends on a fucking action sequence. It's really, it's a very abrupt ending. We, it doesn't even, you know, it, it never, it doesn't even specifically say, oh, and, you know, it doesn't show us, doesn't show the chuds dying or anything. It's kind of just like, oh, it, okay, they're all safe. It's over. Well, I saw earlier when I was, um, like, I was just on the Wikipedia page earlier in the episode, and I saw related articles, Chud 2. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't look into that. I just saw that there was a second one. What specifically did you see the subtitle of the second movie? No. It's Chud Two, uh, subtitle Bud the Chud. <laughs> but I haven't seen it. But apparently, it doesn't really have anything to do with the first film. So, it's like it's not even set in New York, and it's not even really a Chud. It's like barely related. But I, I don't know. I haven't seen it. Well, I don't like so that. it's definitely not continuing this story. So we're only left to guess. Much like Halloween three. Fate. Yes. Um, so yeah, that is that's Chud. Oh, okay. Um. Uh. So I know we just we, we you mentioned this a minute ago, and like yeah, you could read it as like being anti-EPA, but it, it's not even really the EPA. It's again they bring up this other acronym that's like. The radioactive count. I don't know. It's and it's not like so much anti-environmentalism. I'd say it's the exact opposite, where it's kind of like sort of you know, it's kind of you know, it's definitely like your sleazy horror movie that's primarily you know prioritizing you know the uh, the entertainment value of it. But at the same time, it certainly has elements of like ideas about how kind of society you know you know, the homeless and these people who, you know, maybe live it's like disposing of problems. Rather yeah. They're than very, they're very kind of disposed of and they're kind of almost ignored or invisible. And then, yeah, the government kind of, rather than actually addressing these, you know, radioactive waste problems, they're just dumping it for, you know, in this kind of, you know, lower income area without regard for the people living there, obviously leading to the chuds yeah, happening. Very realistic actually. Uh, yeah. And I mean, you have like, one of your primary heroes in the movie is like kind of like a, uh, you know, soup kitchen, you know, kind of, uh, guy trying to help out the, the, uh, the homeless people. He's kind of like a vagrant himself kind of, you know, leading this 
sort of, uh, you know, you know, good deed thing going on. But he's kind of like an anti-establishment guy that gets pulled into this. And he's one of our main characters. And like, you know, it has a little fun at his expense where it's like, you know, he's kind of kooky, but like it still takes him seriously. And like, you know, it shows him as a hero. I mean, he's the one who shoots Wilson at the end and everything. Um, so yeah, I definitely think there's like interesting themes of like, you know, not only ignoring kind of the the less fortunate in our society, the ones with poverty and the homeless uh, kind yeah. of ignoring them, but also these themes, as I mentioned, of kind of the government also not only ignoring them, but being actively malicious in, in its, you know, in its cost cutting and its cutting corners of just, you know, dumping stuff and, and leading to chuds with, with little regard to the human life until it's too, until it's going to be, you know, like the whole thing was like, oh, they want the detective Bosch. They are, you know, they want him to keep it all, you know, hush hush and everything until it's like, you know, till it's going to be like a big public thing in which case then, oh, then they suddenly jump to action to, you know, knock it, you know, fill the tunnels with gas and kill all the chuds. But like, you know, up until now, all the years they've been dumping all this radioactive stuff. Oh, no big deal. Yeah, like it didn't, like the potential consequences of this didn't occur to anyone until they were literally eating and killing people. Yeah, I mean, it literally took giant, you know, humanoid creatures that are cannibals attacking and turning other people into them uh, to, yeah, to make this happen. Because, you know, only when it's going to affect the, the uh, these, you know, government regulatory things and, you know, only when it's going to affect their, uh, their pockets and uh, profits and, you know, public appearance. Only then is it a, uh, is it an issue. But yeah, but like I said, you know, this is just one of my favorite sort of subgenres of the horror area where it's just, you know, these kind of low budget, you know, really sort of, you know, almost, you know, independent feeling uh, movies made like on location in New York in the 80s. You know, they're fun. They're kind of trashy and sleazy. Uh, they have fun, like, gore, practical effects. Uh, you know, it's just a lot of fun. It's a fun genre. And then, obviously, like I just said, you throw in all this kind of government conspiracy, you know, thriller-type stuff as well, and you just have a fun, kind of good, goofy time. I mean, who doesn't love a, a goofy time mixed with a thriller? Yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, you get to say the word chud if you're talking about it. That's just a fun word to say. Yeah, it's honestly one of my favorite words. It's a good word, chud. It's a very percussive, and it feels like a swear. Chud. But you saw what I mean, where it's like, we can only we can only infer that the uh, bad guy Wilson made up cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller off the top of his head to cover for the fact that it actually meant you know the contaminated hazardous you know waste urban uh, urban disposal. disposal. Uh, so I think that's a fun little detail where it's that's like, a fun little detail. Uh, you know, it's got multiple meanings to it. But um, yeah, so that's Chud. Austin, what, what do you think about it? Um, yeah, no, I mean, it sounds like a great time. I don't know if it was what I was expecting, but I also don't know what I was expecting. So I have to say, as someone who had heard of it, but not watched it until this, watching it for this show, I was honestly surprised as like, how little the chuds, meaning the monsters themselves, as we're told in the title, is cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller. I was surprised at how little kind of they factor. I mean, obviously, they're kind of the catalyst to get things going by, you know, attacking the, the people. Villain. They're not the villain. No, they're kind of more of like nature's wrath sort of a thing 
or you know they're kind of like the societal reckoning for you know these wrongs happening uh like they could be replaced with a hurricane yeah yeah they're very much like yeah i mean instead of the chud you could just have people dying of like radiation sickness uh and it would have the same effect in the plot um so i was kind of surprised about that i mean definitely they're still a fun monster and their design's very you know you know fun uh horror movie monster like i said they kind of have glowing yellow eyes uh which is a fun little detail um making for some good scenes in the dark where they're walking around glowing yellow eyes um i wanted to mention with the aesthetic kind of of this movie and this whole idea of kind of underground homeless dwellings um i actually watched a documentary recently called dark days that was released right around the turn of the millennia in the 2000 or so um, that's all about this documentarian guy who kind of like right out of uh, college, I think, he moved to New York and kind of really got like ingrained with the kind of the whole scene going on um, and kind of really got to know all of these homeless people who used to live in these kind of a- abandoned or like the empty spaces of like old subway tunnels in New York City. Um, and so the whole documentary is him like documenting these people's lives in these little like, you know, shanty shack uh, dwellings that they had made in the underground of New York City and how they kind of, you know, uh, survived down there. And it's a really, really good documentary, really great fly on the wall, just showing these homeless people's lives and how they're kind of surviving. It's called Dark Days. Uh, and it's just a, it's a really fun look at kind of the real side of these, uh, people who really do or did live underground in New York City and kind of how they, you know, live their lives. Um, definitely an interesting watch and a good companion piece, sort of realistic companion piece to this kind of fantastical horror sci-fi, uh, movie. So, yeah. That's very cool. So that's Chud. Peyton. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's Chud. It's a, I give it, as I said earlier, uh, two Chuds up. Two Chuds up. That's a famous quote from Roger Ebert. He said, I give Chud two Chuds up. Uh, Roger Ebert. Uh, so yeah, uh, Austin. Anything you want to add? Oh uh, man, no, not specifically on it. I mean, shit, like that. That one just seems real solid. Honestly, like seems like one, like one of the better movies we've talked about. It's a solid. It's a solid movie, definitely. Like in that, it just seems really just well. It's a it's a well rounded, entertaining little horror sci fi movie. Like it seems like self aware. Uh, I mean, it's a little bit self. I mean, I, I I think it's aware that it's like a low budget horror sci fi movie. You know, it's not like tongue in cheek about everything. It's not like winking at you the whole time or making cracking like jokes. Yeah, it's not cracking jokes or like trying to be so bad it's good. But it's you know, just it knows it's a B movie and it just kind of embraces it. That's what I love about a lot of the horror movies from this time is just they're very earnestly low budget, entertaining fun. Yeah. Well, uh, unless you got anything left to talk about, I guess that's the uh, it's as good a place to end it as any. Well, well, uh, with that, thanks for having me on the podcast. You know, I love being a guest. Well, on the podcast I'd, I'm on every week, I'd say you're a co-host more than a guest. Oh, you would give me that much credit? I appreciate that. Well, you are on the you are in the title of the show. We oh, yeah, can't do it without you. Realistic picture of me. And we well we can't do it with it's literally called explaining to Austin, and I can't do a show about explaining to Austin without Austin. I thought it was about the city. 
oh no i hope no one what if someone comes to this they find this show and they're like oh boy i've always wanted to learn about austin texas or maybe someone from Austin, Texas was like, finally, a show that's going to explain things to me and how I understand it. I'm someone – uh, wait, what? It's like someone in Austin, Texas who's never left Austin, Texas, and they want to find out about the world? Yeah, yeah, and like their culture is obviously so different than everywhere else that you have to have a podcast specifically tailored to how they understand things. True, true. I mean, yeah. If you're not aware, Austin is a, it's, it's an autonomous city-state within the United it States. It's, it's like the Vatican – Within the Republic of Texas, it's within like, the United States. It's like the Vatican, but bigger. Yeah, right. The Vatican, but with a better music scene. Can I... That should be the title of our pod... That, the, the description of our podcast. It's like the Vatican, but bigger. <laughs> it's like a truck, but wider. Yeah, that... Uh, you know, you ever listen to a song? A podcast is like that, but longer. And less singing. Good joke. Good. Good bit. Good bit. Yeah. Well, everybody, thanks for listening to this week's episode. Thanks for letting me explain Shud to you, Austin. Yeah, uh, of course. Uh, everybody, if you enjoyed it, everyone make sure to um, uh, uh, check out your local – look at your local listings for a Chud near you. Uh, or and just go knock on a sewer, like a manhole cover. Yeah, maybe you'll meet one. If there's anything Ask to take away, it. if there's anything to take away from today's episode, just go in the sewer and crawl around a little bit. What's the worst that could happen? What's the worst that could happen? This movie's Cholera. fiction. There aren't no chuds in there. What's the worst that could happen? Maybe you get a disease. Go maybe just go to the doctor. Virus or cholera. You probably. just go to the doctor. Yeah, and we got, it's we gone. Got free healthcare. Right? It's gone if you go to the doctor. So, well... Diseases are afraid of the doctor. Yeah, they run away if you go. That's to this week's episode, and we'll see you next time on Explaining to Austin. Explaining to Austin. The only show where you are the boss. And by you, I mean Austin. Oh, I'm the boss. No, I am. It was just a saying. That's that's not a good slogan. Hold on. We got to think of a better slogan. Um, Thanks for listening to Explain to Austin, the only show where you can always be our pal. Thanks for listening to Explaining to Austin, the only show where it's the one without it. Thanks for listening to Explain to Austin, the only show. That's it. (laughs) 